Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, a Cheyenne Hills podcast where you can find just the message portion of our services each week. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching portion of our services, whether listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. And now here's today's message. When God framed the universe, he thought of everything. From the building blocks of atoms to the complex ecosystems of earth, everything has a harmonious balance and order. In the same divine wisdom, he designed the family to follow a structure. When we ignore his guidance, a family is vulnerable, fragile. But if we adhere to a biblical blueprint, a family stands like a fortress, strong and unshaken by the rains and floods and winds of the world. Good morning, everyone. So good to have you here. I am a mother of a 32-year-old, a 30-year-old, and a 28-year-old. When I was a young woman, I thought mothering and parenting would look like this. See her there. There's no wind blowing. People are smiling. Things are content and peaceful. Instead, I found that parenting looked a lot more like this. Oh, yeah, a little Mario Kart where they're slipping on the piano or banana peel and there's obstacles everywhere. When I was growing up, my parents made raising a family look easy. I am the oldest uh, of six kids. I was raised on a ranch and we always had clothes and food. We always had dinner around the supper table where we were able to talk about whatever was going on. Um, We, my mom, she was a teacher and she had a chart where we had all our chores and a gold star if you did them well. So we were very organized. And I remember that we had a lot of fun. On Sunday afternoons, we would go for a drive. I remember floating down a, a, a lake or a river with my grandma even. I spent the afternoon doing that. We had parties with our neighbors, and we went to a lot of basketball games. However, when um, before I had my oldest son, Ethan, I read a book, um, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And after he was born, about six to eight weeks later, the women of the church had a shower for me. And they said, Renee, tell us how it's going. And I said, I love my little boy, but he does not follow one thing in that book that I read. (laughs) He totally did everything his own way. Fast forward 15 years, and I read another book, How to Raise Your Kids Without Raising Your Voice. The one thing I learned there was not to argue about wearing a coat to junior high school. (laughs) However, what, what I realized was I didn't always raise my kids without raising my voice. I let them do stuff that I probably shouldn't have, and I didn't insist on them doing stuff that they probably should have had to benefit their soul. So a week ago, I texted my kids and I asked them, What did I do well as a mom, and what could I have improved on? And Galen said, boy, that's pretty gutsy. And I'm thinking, or stupid. (laughs) So this is the text I got from Ethan. He said, mom, you were always caring and loving, but sometimes I felt like Savannah or Lauren were the priority over me. 
Sibling rivalry is real. However, what he doesn't know is that my son-in-law is now my favorite child, and I got the t-shirt to prove it. Uh, my middle daughter, Savannah, she took a while. She's a very thoughtful person. She took a while to answer. This is what she said. Mom, you were really good at being present with us, making sure we knew you'd be there if we needed you. If I needed or wanted anything, you'd make sure to get it for me. Always there for sports or events that were important to me. The only thing that comes to mind that you could have improved on is how you reacted in some situations. When I was sick or injured, you would react very anxiously and make me upset. And she goes on and she says, and so I've learned how not to do that. And I am now working on so that I don't become anxious in certain situations. And she says, mom, you were a great mom. My youngest, she, because she's very verbal, she called me to let me know all things. And what she said, she said, Mom, I was just always so thankful that you promoted my creativity, that you provided those paints and those workbooks, and I let her write books. Um, and, and she said that was just really important to her, that I saw her as an individual. She also said that I was very fun. I made things very fun when she was a kid. She said what you could have improved on was had a better reaction to medical situations. Okay, so there's a theme going on here. So what is that about? So I'm gonna tell you a story. When my kids were really little, I had to take them to the clinic to get their immunization shots. I thought they were getting one shot each, three shots. We get in there and the nurse is like, oh, they're a little behind. We're gonna give them each three or four shots. And so I'm in there and I'm holding the first one down and you know, she's just, you know how they, those nurses are. And it, Got, got those three shots to the first kid. He's screaming, he's crying. Go on to the second kid. She gets her three shots. She's screaming and crying. I, of course, by now, the third one knows what's coming, so she's screaming and crying. And I'm holding them down, and I'm just hurting for them. And the nurse said, hey, you know what? You need to stay in the waiting room for about 15 or 20 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, are they reacting? Are they breathing? What's wrong with my kids? She goes, no, mom, you are so white. You look like you're gonna faint. We don't trust you to drive your kids home. So you need to go into the waiting room and wait for 15 to 20 minutes. So I go in there and while my kids, they've already recovered. They're bouncing off the seats, the chairs in the waiting room. I got my head between my knees, breathing in a paper bag, trying not to faint. Uh, those were my issues with the medical situation. And even to this day, if I ever come and visit you in the hospital, just know that I have white-knuckled it in. There is something about the air in a hospital that makes me faint, something about the white coats that make me panic, and then there's all those beeping noises and those tubes. I'm a mess when it comes to medical issues. So don't call me. I share this because I'm not a parenting expert. You can find a lot of books, a lot of podcasts about that. I am not a parenting expert. But what I hope to do today is just encourage you as you parent, as you grandparent, as you think about becoming a parent. A while back, I was playing Mario Kart with my kids. Do you guys know what Mario Kart is, a few of you? 
yeah. So I had never done it before. And so, of course, they had to show me how to run the controller, you know, go this way, go that way, how to go really fast. And they instructed me on the object of the game. And I'm to avoid crashes. I'm supposed to run through these coins and gain points and try to beat the other racers. Oh, my gosh. We laughed and laughed and laughed. And my son-in-law kept saying, hit that boost button. You got to go faster. We, I was so horrible. I am spinning out. I can't get any of those coins. And my daughter goes, Mom, that's kind of the way you drive on I-25. <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> my son has always been into video games. And when I was at his house, his spare bedroom has this suite set up with a couple of computer screens. He's got a microphone. He's got a headset. He is serious about his video games. Later that evening, we were at this castle in uh, Hungary, and he and his friends started talking about playing video games together. And they were talking about this war game called Call of Duty. And I'm laughing because they're all in the military, so they're prepping for all war all day, and yet at night, they want to play war games. One of um, that game that's called Call of Duty, I even asked some of the guys around here, you know, whether they played it and what that looked like for them. And it's a war game, so you go in and, you know, you're shooting everyone. And anyone who plays that can think that the way to win the game is that kill-to-death ratio. How many people you take out as you try to get to the end of that level. When in actuality, it's all about achieving the objective. What am, what, what am I and my team trying to accomplish here? That's how you win at Call of Duty. As parents, we can think we're successful if we take out anyone who stands in our way or even hints that our kids aren't as smart or as athletic as we think they are. In Mario Kart, you can think that running through all the coins, getting all the points, is the way to win. But the reality is the objective is to stay on the track, not spin out of control, and get to the end line before anyone else. So as a parent, we can think that the way to be successful is to help our kids get all those shiny points, get in all those right activities, because that means I'm a successful parent. Parenting is hard, and it's a confusing process. And there are many books and podcasts out there. I encourage you parents to take a look at them. But basically, parenting is that call to duty of love and perseverance. And to do it in, with biblical principles can be really, really challenging in today's society. So I have to ask you parents, what is your objective? Is it to go as fast as you can and make it to the end before anyone else and hope it all works out? Is it to take out anyone who blocks your goals for your kids? Is it to control your kids in such a way that it makes you look like the perfect parent? Well, as I was studying for this, I was like, okay, I was looking for a family to, to kind of use scripture from. And when you look in the Bible, it is full of dysfunctional families. You have mothers and fathers who lie and manipulate. And then you have kids who follow their example, and they lie and they manipulate. And then you see that the grandkids lie and they manipulate. 
And somehow, through this all, God will send a prophet or or the angel of the Lord or someone to kind of come into their reality and say, okay, this is what's going on and give them hope that they can change for the better. So that's what I'm hoping today is that while all of us deal with stuff in our families, I want to give you hope for tomorrow, for a way to parent that where you can feel like you have a say in what's going on. So what is a healthy family? If I can't find one in the Bible, what are we going to do? Um, this is just a really simple um, definition. A healthy family is where they are committed to each other with stable and meaningful relationships. They're attached, they're connected, which includes respect, boundaries, grace, and love. So today, I just want to give you three simple things that I hope will encourage you. Um, In order to have a healthy family, it begins with a healthy parent. You can't win at Mario Kart if you're constantly spinning out of control. You can't win at Call of Duty if you have a faulty weapon or or you're hoarding all your grenades. It starts with knowing ourselves, knowing who we are and what what we're about. Psalm 119.59 says, when I think of my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. The New Living says this way, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. I know that most of us here are very, very busy. You probably don't spend a lot of time pondering your life. But it's really, oh yes, these guys, the the ushers are coming down. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. It's essential that we create margin in our life to ponder our direction, ponder our habits, ponder the direction of my life so that we can turn to God, to his word, to find out the correct way that I can go forward. Daniel Goleman calls this emotional intelligence, and this is his definition. The ability to read and understand your emotions as well as recognize their impact on them. I remember a time in my life where I'm like, I'm just going to be me. You know, take it or leave it. And I failed to see how my spinning out of control or my truthfulness or my inability to process emotions impacted other people. If we want to have a healthy family, it's got to begin with the parent. So one thing that we can look at is our personality type. Uh, in grow group, in our growth track, step two, we look at our personalities. We go through the DISC, D-I-S-C. Maybe you've seen that personality um, evaluation. It's been around for a long time. And I am an I-D, and that's an influencer driver. So this is, this is some, of, some of who my personality is. I am optimistic, trusting, pioneering, decisive, responsible, logical, and independent. I'm a great encourager. I negotiate people conflicts. I challenge the status quo. I challenge the status quo, which makes me laugh, which usually means it causes conflict, which I have to negotiate. I'm an innovative decision maker. But the other side of my personality is... I'm impatient, disorganized, driven, 
impatient, people pleaser, task focused, let's get it done now, big mouth. I am forever having to go, oh my gosh, did I say that out loud? And then I have to turn around and apologize for it. I have have, I've had to make a conscious effort to slow down, be in the moment, take in the now, be appreciative of what's going on now, and to take a pause before I blurt out what I'm thinking. Oftentimes when I go into a meeting, I will put a question mark on my thumb so that I remember, rather than speaking, that I ask questions. Let other people tell me what, how they're feeling. I've had to work at this um, to be able to be a health, more healthy person. The other thing, too, is we all come with learned patterns from our past. One of the verses that we use in the growth track is from Exodus 6, um, 6 through 7, where he says, Know me as your God, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery. Family patterns that we've accumulated over time can keep us enslaved, can keep us handcuffed, and we get stuck, and we can't move forward. My mom came from an abusive family. Her dad had lost his mom when he was really, really young. And then his dad remarried a very wicked stepmom. He was not able to be emotionally intelligent and process these emotions. So that anger, that grief, that betrayal, that abandonment came out on my mom's family. She was the oldest of 12 kids. When my mom moved to Wyoming, she lived with her aunt and uncle, and they reparented her. They were teachers in Torrington, and they showed her that compassion, that acceptance um, that she'd been needing. And so my mom made a conscious effort. She said, I am not going to raise my kids like I was raised. And by the grace of God, she knows it was her relationship with God that helped her break those patterns that she could have passed on to us. When we're looking at ourselves and becoming a healthy self, we had to take notice of our, our mental thoughts. Did you realize that we think about 12,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day? That's a lot of thoughts. And 80% of them are negative. Those negative thoughts have an impact on our behavior. Dr. Caroline Leaf says, if you realized how powerful our thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. A negative thought affects our emotions, which affects our behavior. We can, we can have these thoughts where we're like, I can't lose. I can't let anyone know that I failed. And you try to keep up this persona. And all that does is create this uh, prideful, arrogant person. Knowing our thoughts can give us life, and that's why reading God's word is so important. Surrounding ourselves with good people, talking nicely to ourselves, and finding humor in difficult situations can help us navigate our life and how we parent. An awareness of reality and asking God for help to transform us can be different, can help us be different. Romans 12.2 says this, be transformed by renewing of your mind. There is something, I shouldn't say something. God's word is powerful. It is living, breathing. We can change ourselves 
only so far. It's God's word that can really make something new out of our past that we um, are trying to get away from. God's word has the ability to change us. So parents, I've got to ask you, what are your objectives? Will you ignore your hangups and pass them down to your kids? Or are you willing to work on and bring your best self to the family table? You have that choice. We have Celebrate Recovery here, and I know a lot of times people think that's a place for uh, people who struggle with addictions, but the truth is we all deal with patterns, addictions from our past. If you're struggling, that might be a great way to plug in. Also, our grow groups is a place where we can find freedom from that, that slavery that maybe we've dealt with and through a group of people to pray with, to confess with, God can bring healing into your life. So our second thing, in order to have a, ha a healthy family, it requires healthy dynamics. As I was studying for this, I ended up choosing these next four things from a book called um, Living from the Heart, God Gave You. It's written by a group of therapists. But as I kind of checked what they had against Focus on the Family and some other things, um, they're all saying about the same thing. And what our child needs, we need to know what our child needs, and that is protection, service, enjoyment, and a spiritual community. So what is protection, okay? That's not where you, bring, you create Fort Knox around your home, you don't let anyone in, you are throwing grenades at everyone. It's about appropriately setting limits so that your kid feels safe. They're able to feel trusting in you. They can be themselves, they can say what they're thinking. It's that ability to feel safe in their home, own home. If they don't feel safe, if they don't feel protect, protected, they will look for their identity or their belonging or their purpose in another group. Uh, one podcast that I happened to be, I was listening to, it was about leadership, but she started talking as she's raising her teenagers. When she sees that her kid is on um, the phone all the time on social media, she's like, my, my child's looking for identity or belonging or purpose. And so if I can bring that to our home, then that, that kid isn't going to be on social media as much. We have the opportunity to, to build that protection for our kids. Savannah was probably uh, 11th or 12th grade, and one afternoon she came in to me and she goes, Mom, I, I got to talk to you. The East Central game was upcoming in that next weekend. Do we have any East parents here? East parents, woohoo! Yeah, central parents, you can, I don't, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've, you know what, God loves you too. God loves you too. <laughs> but she, Facebook was new, and she said one of the girls from the central team had put out on Facebook that she was gonna take Savannah out. And so she was concerned. And so I said, honey, who knows about this? Well, everyone on my team. And I said, honey, they've got your back. They're not going to let that happen. And I said, does your coach know? Well, I don't know that he does. And I said, you know, we probably need to let your coach know so that he can be aware. Now, on the outside, I was a fluffy little teddy bear. But on the inside, I was a grizzly mama bear. And I was like, 
That girl comes after my girl, and boy, I'm, I'm storming the floor. But instead, I said, you know what, honey? I am, I, your, your dad and I are going to be in the stands. We're not going to let anything happen to you. Well, sure enough, the morning of the game comes around, and I can tell as she's warming up that she's really nervous. Um, oh, and one thing that we did when I was there, I, was, I told her, I said, honey, ultimately, God is there to protect you. Ultimately, he's going to make sure that you are protected and safe. And so we prayed. Come the morning, she, I can tell she's nervous. And um, I'm praying, trying to keep the grizzly bear bomber in the seats. And uh, within the first two minutes, that girl got three fouls. And as her coach took her out, she's yelling at her coach, and she ended up having to sit at the end of the bench. She wasn't even in the game for the rest of the time. I had to figure out how to help my girl feel protected and safe and help her navigate a difficult situation. So again, protecting our kids does not mean that we keep anything, um, that we barricade the doors, but we help our kids try to navigate when those times come up that they feel like, how am I going to protect myself? So we want to help our kids uh, come through difficult times, and we want to make sure that they feel heard and safe. Here is Proverbs 31, 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Our responsibility as parents is to speak up for our kids when they need us in an age-appropriate way. The next thing is to serve them. And to serve them shows them that they matter, that they can have our attention when they need it. And Jesus modeled this in Mark 10, 44 and 45, and he says, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our kids need to see us as servants to them. And now that doesn't mean you do their chores and they're the boss of you. But you're giving them an example of being a servant um, heart, just like what Jesus gives us as an example and so that might be discovering what their gifts are, looking at what they're uniquely made to do and trying to meet them where they're at. My kids were all different, so that was a challenge. Like I said, Lauren was very creative. Ethan, or Ethan was very musical, and so helping him, uh, you know, help making sure he had those music lessons and everything. Um, Savannah was very athletic, and helping her be a leader uh, among girls was a challenge. But serving our kids was really important because they see Jesus in us. Parenting does involve sacrifice, but it's not about giving up who you are. It is about becoming who you are. Jesus desires for us to become a servant to humble ourselves and put other people ahead of us. And I'll tell you, nothing does that like parenting. We also want to enjoy our kids. Life can get really, really serious. You listen to the news, you uh, attend a, a high school activity, you can see things that are going on. Life can be so serious. But our kids need to know that we enjoy life and that we enjoy them. Uh, the verse here is Psalm 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is our reward. 
the NLT says, children are a blessing and a gift. When you get a gift for Christmas or for your birthday, and you open it up, you're all excited. Man, it's for enjoyment. So to be able to put aside the seriousness of life and enjoy our kids is so important. Uh, Lauren told me, she goes, Mommy, you were always really fun. And she remembers this time where we went into Target to get some whatever. And she wanted to ride in that cart, you know, that's it's got a special seats and I think it's got a little uh, wheel on it. And she's laughing. She's, you know, she said, uh, uh, she just laughed about it all. She goes, it was probably for special needs kids, but you let me ride in it. And what she remembers is that we went whizzing up and down the Target aisles um, like we were on a roller coaster. Having fun meant a lot for her. The fourth thing about knowing our kids is, and knowing ourselves, is that I'm limited. I can't be everything they need. And so providing a spiritual family for them is so crucial. Um, to be able for, for them to have spiritual uh, parents, spiritual grandparents, spiritual si siblings, those all create a community that where I am lacking, some of you come into the kids' life and you make a difference. I was asking my daughter Lauren, I said, you know, who at Cheyenne Hills impacted your life? And she talked about many years ago, we had a worship pastor here that had kids the same age as mine. And they were always over at their house, always uh, at our house. They had extra siblings where they could feel like they belonged. She also talked about the Humphreys. They were here at the nine o'clock. If you know Dennis and Charlene, they lived up the street. And so their kids were often in our backyard, at our house. Dennis, and Dennis had provided that wonderful humor and laughter for them. Charlene is uh, sweet and caring and loving. They had an impact on my daughter Lauren's life. A year ago, Ethan, my oldest, was here. And I said, honey, what do you want to do? And he said, I'd like to go see Dick and Ruthie Young. Now, Dick and Ruthie started this church 30 years ago. And when we, we would go to LCCC to set up at some unknown, I mean, it was dark. It was like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And Ruthie would watch my kids while we set up and rehearsed and got church going. And so we went up there to visit Dick and Ruthie. He took us around the orchard. He and Ethan are talking. Ruthie is talking to Ethan. <clears throat> and a few days later, I, we were just talking about our visit. And he said, you know, Mom, some of us kids are going to be in heaven because of Ruthie Young. Because she shared God's love. She shared God's truth. She was my son's spiritual grandma. Some of us are here, and maybe we don't have children now. We're empty nesters. You still have an impact on today's family. Who's around you that you could just love on their kids? Who is around you that you could just love on those young moms and those young dads that are, you know, pulling their hair out? Especially, I've heard that, I mean, they're, I, I'm struggling with a cold, but I know so many people have been sick. Spiritual family is where all of us get involved with the family. The parent can provide some of the, those, that, that protection, that service, that enjoyment. 
but we help them balance all of that because they can't, they can't be all of that all the time. There is a, um, I know there's a grow group that's going to start about parenting. You might want to look at that if you're interested. Also, there's a grandparents group that meets weekly that if you're interested, um, you can check that out. But spiritual siblings and grandparents are essential to our children being healthy. So what is your objective? Will you... Will your family atmosphere create itself and be every man, woman, and child for itself? Or will you intentionally provide for your children's needs? Will you make them feel safe, seen, and celebrated? And will you draw other people into your family unit to love on your kids when it is stretching you? Our last part here, to have a healthy family Recognize you represent Jesus to the family. Whether unintentionally or intentionally, your kids look at you. They look at your day-to-day, your responses, your motives, your emotional well-being, and they picture that Jesus is just like that. Ephesians 5, 1-2 says... There we go. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul is writing here that we are to imitate who Jesus is. We are to um, not perform. It's not about performing or acting, but to reflect what our relationship with Jesus is really like, because our kids are watching. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians, all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. To gaze or behold means to contemplate. So when we spend time with Jesus and we contemplate his work, we contemplate his word, We are becoming like him. John Mark Comer writes in his book, Practicing the Way, that we become more what we are gazing at. Whether we're gazing at Jesus or social media, news articles, sports, etc., over time, we become what we focus on. Comer goes on to say that we become like Jesus from gazing and being with him. And as a general rule, we become more loving as we experience his love. I'll tell you right now, um, our kids are going to stretch us. They're going to challenge us. And sometimes we look at that little kid that may look just like us and we're like, I don't even know if I like you anymore. But our relationship with Jesus When we experience his love, we are that conduit that helps our kids experience being loved. Um, When my kids were little, I could only have devotions. I could only spend time with Jesus when they were asleep. And I remember sometimes they would wake up early and want to know what I was doing. And I was like, I, I wanted them to know that spending time with Jesus was important And spending time with Jesus was important for me because I needed the wisdom, the patience, the love to be able to care for them. 
Mario Kart is tough to navigate if you don't know Jesus. If you're looking at your family life like a war game, operating without Jesus is going to make it very, very tough. So what's your objective? Are you okay with a shallow relationship with Jesus and let your kids imitate that? Are you intentionally pursuing a relationship with Jesus to experience his lavish love and pass it on to your kids? You have a choice on how you choose to navigate this parenting. So we looked at being a healthy parent to know ourselves. We looked at creating a healthy atmosphere, helping our kids feel protected, served, and loved. And we've looked at having a healthy, being a healthy representative of God, knowing Jesus and, and letting his love lavish on, on us. Now, I would like to guarantee that if you do these things, your family life's going to be perfect. Your kids are going to be perfect. The next generation is going to be perfect. But the truth is, those cute little kids that smile and tear at our heart, they have their own will. They will make their own choices. But when I stand before God, I am able to say, God, I did the best I could because I followed your word the best I could. I followed your law of, of, of trying to have boundaries with our kids the best I could. As we close out here today, I would like for us to uh, read scripture together. And this is a psalm where the writer talks about all of these three points, about fearing the Lord and the blessing that comes from obeying him. So as we read this together, I'd like you to kind of look for phrases, look for words that stand out at, for you, because that means that God's trying to tell you something. So why don't we stand together, and we're going to read Psalm 128, 1 through 6. Are you ready? Here we go. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Could you see those sections in there? There's a blessing when we obey God. And that residual effect that happens trickles down to our family unit and even generations to come. Don't give up as you're trying to create a healthy atmosphere for your family. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, I, I come to you just wanting to lift up the parents now that may feel discouraged, overwhelmed, confused. There's so much going on. They may have a child that um, is really hard to raise. And Father, I just pray that you would enter into that situation and encourage and um, help that child to see 
how you, you love them and how the parents love them. Father, I pray that um, each parent here would just draw close to you, God, that you would give them the wisdom, the strength, the perseverance to love and protect and serve their kids. And Father, as a, a community here, a spiritual community, a body um, of Christ, Lord, may you use us to enter into our families here in Cheyenne. Lord, that we could provide that encouragement, that spiritual strength when they are weak. May you just send people into these families' lives to encourage them and encourage the kids. Father, I pray that we would see you um, work on behalf of uh, our prayers and our uh, attempt to, to please you. Father, thank you for each person here, and may they just see the blessing that you have for them as they go through the week. And I pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, whether you go across the street or around the world, may you make a difference in a family. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Make sure to check out our companion podcast where we dig deeper into an aspect of each week's sermon with questions and applications that are great for your Bible study or your grow group conversations. Like and subscribe to the channel as well so you don't miss any of our sermons or content. And if you're interested in our church, come check us out at CheyenneHills.org. And remember, be strong and very courageous.